0: Well, another off day for the Detroit Tigers. So we're going to take a look at the early returns on offseason moves that the Tigers made and didn't make this past winter. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. what is up everybody welcome back to another edition of locked on tigers i'm of course your host scott bentley today is tuesday may 16th 2023 thank you so much for making locked on tigers your first listen every single day we are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on youtube part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All righty. Well, we are back. Off-day edition of Lockdown Tigers. Hope everyone is having a fantastic start to their week. Uh, I, my allergies are still destroying me. So if I sound stuffed up or I'm sniffling, I apologize. Uh, so uh, I promise I'm trying, I promise. So, uh, today we are going to take a look, like I said, like early returns is kind of how I want to phrase it. I want to make one thing abundantly clear. There is a lot of baseball left to be played. This is by far a, a final conversation on was the offseason a, a success or a failure or every single person that Harris brought in. Let's deem them, a, 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 give them a pass fail grade right now on May 15th. That is not going to happen. You're not going to find that here. Uh, I I realize that there is a ton of baseball. We are a month into the season. There is a boatload of baseball left, uh, and a lot of things can change. People can go on hot streaks. People can go on cold streaks. People can go on hot streaks after they go on cold streaks. We have a long, long season ahead of us, so I don't want this to get misconstrued as as that, as like final analysis, recap type of stuff. But – that all being said, I do think it's fair to start a conversation, a conversation that we will have probably three, four, five more times throughout the season, a month in. I think that that's a good place to start. Now, in June, if we come back and Nick Mayton is crushing the baseball, then this becomes a lot different, and we will cite the fact that we didn't say that he was definitely always going to be a 150 hitter in May when we talk about previous episodes in which we had this discussion, right? So, again, I just want to make that very, very clear to start off the show. I'll probably reiterate it a few more times, but uh, it's very important to me that that's that's crystal clear, okay? So, where do we start? I think we do start with third base, because I I feel like that was the biggest storyline of the offseason. This was a team that had Jamer Candelario on it, and let Jamer Candelario walk, and then did not sign a major league caliber third baseman. Uh, they had minor league deals. They had their waiver wire stuff and, and whatnot. And we'll get into some of those acquisitions later, but on a base level, you had Jamer Candelario. You let him go. The only third baseman you added were either those waiver and minor league deals and Nick Mayton, which was via a trade. So, let's start with Jamer. Okay. My, well, let's start with what Jamer's done this season, and then we'll get into why I have always felt the way I felt uh, about the, the Jamer situation. So this season, uh, unfortunately, Jamer has not been hitting very well. He has the 11th lowest WRC plus amongst all qualified hitters in the game of baseball and the 15th lowest OPS amongst all qualified hitters in the game of baseball. Um, So, the decision to not bring back Jamer never bothered me. I was always in favor of it. And it wasn't because I thought that Jamer Candelario was going to be terrible and that I thought, like, I, I said on air a few times that it would not shock me whatsoever if Jamer Candelario had better numbers than whenever the Tigers get out of third base this season. And I, I it still wouldn't shock me. The reason why it never made sense for me to bring back Jamer was because he is not the long-term solution at third base. So what was the point to bring him back at 29 years old? That's where my mindset was. I understand that we might not upgrade there from one year to the next, from last year to this year. We might not upgrade. But unless Jamer Candelario goes out there and for the rest of this season, he just rakes and he looks like a player who you can solidified say is going to be a starting third baseman on a pretty good team over the next, what, two to four years? Then there was just no reason for me to bring him back. And so they didn't. And they brought in a few pieces to kind of give a look at third base. We've already seen a lot of players play at third. The only argument I've really heard that had legs to stand on when it comes to the Jamer thing in my head was the fact that, well, kind of just what I laid out. Like on a one-year to one-year basis, he might still be better than whatever you had there. And while that didn't matter to me, I fully admitted and understood that that was a legitimate possibility. And so far this season, despite Jamer's numbers being as bad as they are that I just laid out to you, um, Detroit has actually gotten still worse production out of third base over the course of the season so far. They have gotten negative WAR. I use F WAR, by the way. FanGraphs WAR. Every website calculates WAR differently. Uh, I use FanGraphs for position players because I think that they uh, that that's the the formula that I think does the best job uh, for position players. Again, so I just want to make that abundantly clear. It's FanGraphs WAR uh, from third base. They have gotten negative F WAR out of uh, out of that position so far in the season and a sixty three. WRC plus from the position on the year that is thirty seven percent worse than league average offensive production from third base so far on the season. Nick Maton has gotten a lot of time there, obviously, uh, and he has the sixth lowest WRC plus in the game of baseball. They put Tyler Nevin out there; he struggled. They put Ryan Krieger out there; he struggled. None of the three of those dudes really hit at all uh, so far this season. And now Andy Ibanez is getting a look there, and he is hitting well, um, which is great. That's awesome. Andy Ibanez has been a a big thumbs up. That's another Scott Harris acquisition that we will talk about. But in terms of just on a base level so far, was it worth it to not bring back Jamer? Again, for where my mindset was, I'm still fine with the decision. I'm still not losing sleep over Jamer Candelario not being here. And I still would like, what did we say on the, the opening, that's not the right, opening day. That's the word, that's the phrase. The opening day phrase, phrase, the opening day episode, right? The opening day episode, we said that this was the year of the audition. And I am still much more comfortable giving a bunch of players reps at third base to see if any of them stick then sending 29-year-old Jamer Candelario out there this season, and then what? Then you're kind of just in the same boat but a year later because, again, unless you think Jamer is going to turn it around and be the solution at third base for a a playoff caliber or a really solid team for the next two to four years, which I don't think we've seen so far this season. Okay? A lot of baseball left, though, I understand. Um, uh, Some options that – we could have brought in at third and didn't. We talked about Brian Anderson. It felt like every single day on this show. If you listened over the offseason, he has an OPS in the mid seven hundreds would certainly be a massive uptick in production. He had a really hot start and has kind of been cooling off lately. So we'll see where he goes. And uh, then Brandon Drury was another one that I liked and a lot of people liked. He did the opposite. He got off to a really slow start and has been hot lately. Has an OPS around 730 now. While it's not amazing, it's still a lot better than what we've gotten on a third. So that's kind of where we stand now. Now, when you look at some of the other decisions that were made, uh, there's still, has the returns on third base been great yet? No, we'll talk about the Soto trade kind of more in a vacuum later when we talk about the bullpen. Uh, but but there still has been some really solid low risk acquisitions andy Abanya's obviously being one of them um and a lot of the fringe players letting go like victor reyes i don't even think has played a major league game yet this season harold castro has been really 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 brutal at the plate so far for the colorado rockies uh like ops i think under 550 at the moment and willie castro uh has really not done very much either he's got an ops around 600 i believe so uh, like uh, a lot of those fringe guys that they let go that there was you know people were arguing about whether they should have stayed or gone, like those all three of those players got m- non like guaranteed major league spots, they all got like minor league contracts with invites to spring or whatever that that should kind of tell you all you need to know back in december but um so so those we've replaced those guys, we've brought in players like like uh, like a but like nevin hasn't really showed up the major league level so a lot of just like hitting and missing when it comes to those uh those minor league contracts and and those waiver claim guys but that's kind of the nature of minor league contracts and waiver and waiver claim guys that that's just kind of how those work so we'll take it as far as those go i'm pretty pleased with with what i've seen as far as the, the players that they've taken the chance on and whatnot um, and some, again, like Abanez, have given you production at third base, which no one else on this team can seem to be able to do. Scopes played third base a little bit. I don't need to reiterate how much he's been struggling over the last year. So here we are. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the bullpen uh, because that was another big, big point of conversation this offseason. But first, I'm to tell you all about our friends over at Game Time. There we go. Game Time. Uh, it's your favorite app You need to download it. It's the definition of clutch. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. It's fast and easy. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much, much more. Uh, And the game time guarantee means that you will get the best price if you find your tickets in the same section in a row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You get images of your seat before you buy them, so you know what to expect. They're sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your purse, wallet, email, etc., to find your tickets anymore. The definition of clutch. So download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on MLB for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply again. That's Code Locked On MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. I greatly appreciate y'all. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in. Every single day tomorrow, we'll be recapping game one of the Pittsburgh Pirates series two game set. Just a quick little two game set in the middle of the week here. We'll be previewing that game uh, with what time we have at the end of the show. So uh, talking about again, I I, well, I want to use the phrase early returns just because I, I think that that kind of depicts what I'm trying to portray here. Just like where it stands right now, not an end all be all conversation. The bullpen was a big point of emphasis for this team and a big topic of conversation because they had actually a really good bullpen last year and they got rid of the four best relievers they had. (laughs) They didn't bring back Michael Fulmer. They traded Gregory Soto. They traded Joe Jimenez and they didn't bring back Andrew Chafin. Now, none of those dudes have an ERA under four at the time of this recording. Not a single one. Michael Fulmers is pushing seven Andrew Chafin and Joe Jimenez are a little bit over four and Gregory Soto's is four exactly this team is currently 18th in bullpen ERA they're managing without any of them they have two of the better relievers in the entire game of baseball that has helped a lot when Alex Lang and Jason Foley uh, but they've gotten some production from some other guys too Jose Cisnero again is approaching like a three ERA now he's been pretty solid Uh, They've been kind of able to slap together some production from unlikely places going into the season, and that has helped them a lot. But they have a middle-of-the-pack bullpen without any of those four, and none of those four are really lighting the world on fire. The peripherals are still solid. Uh, I believe Chafin and Fulmer both are on pace. They have like career high K rates at the moment. And again, a lot of baseball to be played, not saying it's going to end that way, but um, their ERAs are high, but they're striking out a lot of people. Those are, are good peripherals for bullpen pieces. Uh, ERA for relievers is kind of tough because one bad outing can kind of just like spike it for a while. Um, and then Gregory Soto still has a walk per nine of uh, I think it's exactly five. And he always was around like five to five and a half. So Hasn't really like magically just started pounding the strike zone all the time. Still walking players at about the same clip he always has been. Uh, hasn't been hitting hit as hard this season. Uh, his average exit velocity numbers are pretty solid. So that's something he clearly has made an adjustment on and worked on. But as a whole, a uh, four ERA and pretty similar walk numbers. Uh, hasn't been like some revolutionary completely brand new pitcher over there so far. Uh, and then Joe Jimenez get been getting hit pretty hard actually, uh, but also still is striking a lot of people out. So um I, I would expect his ERA to drop. I would really expect Chafin and Jimenez, their ERAs to go down. Probably Sotos too, to be honest with you. Four ERAs is a little high for him. Again, he's really just had a couple of like pretty brutal outings, uh, which I guess is kind of what he did here. So whatever. But um yeah, and then Michael Fulmer has just gone off to a really rough start this season. So we'll see if he can recover. But um the the big Again, like three of those you're, you're, I don't want to say fine with, but like two were free agents that you just didn't bring back, and one was a trade that I think everybody in the fan base is pretty excited about in the Joe Jimenez for Justin Henry Malloy one. The Soto one is really the conversation to be had here. Gregory Soto for Donnie Sands, Matt Vierling, and Nick Maton. As it stands right now, you have traded Gregory Soto for a minor league catcher and two negative win players. That's where it stands on May 15th. Now, again, a lot of season left to be played. I'm going to say that a billion times this episode, but that's where it stands right now. Vierling has been a positive contributor defensively and on the base paths, uh, but has been slumping really hard in the month of May and his OPS, I think just dipped below 600. So that's obviously something that needs to be corrected. You're not going to be a solid major league player with offensive numbers that bad, stop me if you've heard this before, Matt Verling has a batting average against fastballs of just under 300, and sub-160 against breaking balls, sub-100 against off-speed. Seems to be a a theme within, I was going to say the clubhouse, but maybe just this trade specifically, as Nick Maton, we've cited many times, just flat out can't hit non-fastballs really in any capacity. So, The early returns are pretty underwhelming. It's not that Soto has been a superstar in Philly, or that his walk per nine is like complete—you know, was cut in half. Like it's about the same as his career numbers. Uh, But and the bullpen again has managed. Okay, it's managed a month into the season without any of those guys, Soto included. But at the moment, you have a minor league catcher and two negative WAR players at the major league level. Neither of which can hit anything that's not a straight pitch. Veerling, I think, has a path to being a solid major league player. Um, and that's – feel like his athleticism will take him pretty – I don't want to say like pretty far. I don't want to like be too dramatic about it. But his athleticism will will take him to uh, having positive assets of his game. He's a plus defender. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's been, in, I think, in the 70th percentile and outs above average. Like he, he's been positive on that side of the field. He's obviously one of the fastest players in the entire game of baseball. Uh, but if you can't hit, none of that really matters. And right now, he, despite being a, a positive defender and positive on the base path, he's still a negative war player because he has an OPS under 600. So that's something he has to figure out as well, make adjustments, needs to be made. And then Nick Maton is not doing anything at the major league level until he learns how to hit a non-fastball that's really all there is to it that's not like groundbreaking if you've been listening to this show or just watching the tigers this season um, but but this is dating back to philly as well this isn't like oh he was so good at it and then he became a tiger and oh poor tigers like no this has been a problem since the the day we acquired him and, and this has been a, a something that he's been needing to work on dating back to his time in philly last season at the major league level so That's the biggest thing is it's underwhelming because, yes, you've got negative win players, but uh, could you really have gotten a a King's ransom for Gregory Soto? Probably not. And and the Tigers' bullpen so far has not necessarily needed a Gregory Soto in their bullpen. Okay, so we'll keep tabs on it. Weird returns early, definitely underwhelming. Starting pitching, we had this conversation yesterday uh, all about depth. Right. The only additions to the starting rotation were Lorenzen and Boyd. Lorenzen's last two starts have been pretty solid, but his previous three weren't. So we'll kind of see where he goes from here. He started off the season hurt and is a few starts behind everybody. So we'll kind of give him the benefit of the doubt there. But Boyd is someone who we were already familiar with and has struggled to start off the season. Uh, And you're already at a point where there is no insurance for uh, the current five in the rotation. There's none. I, I cover this team every single day and I don't know the answer to what happens if one of those five currently in the rotation goes down. I don't know. Like genuinely, I don't, there is not a single person in Toledo. That's like, well, it's probably them. Not one. I I genuinely don't know the answer. It might, like, they might just rather go to Tyler Alexander, who, like, hasn't been very good this season. Out of the bullpen, nonetheless, as a starter. Like, I I, I don't know where you would go from there. And, like, you can't predict injuries all the time. But the big thing so far has been the, because if you remember in spring, we were talking about how surprisingly deep the starting pitching was. And very early returns on that are because of four gentlemen individually that we will talk about right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. So talking about the starting pitching depth or lack thereof. And if you remember in the spring and in the winter, when we were talking about the starting pitching depth, we had uh, a group of four that we brought up all the time together, like in the same conversation. That was Faiado, Hill, Wentz, and Britsky. Hill, I think it's safe to say, I'll I'll say this now, even though it is only May 15th, I think it's safe to say he isn't going to be a major league rotational starter long-term in his career. Um, Just... I don't think he's a he's a long-term starting pitcher. We talked earlier in the season when he was in the majors, he struggled out of the bullpen, and that was even in like a one-inning reliever role. He hasn't really been crushing it as a starter down in Toledo. Uh, I think that that ship has probably sailed for Garrett Hill. So that's one that that's out of the conversation there. Again, if we're talking like long-term. That's not to say that Garrett Hill won't make spot starts or become like a Tyler Alexander role type of player. But, like, long-term, I don't think we look and we go, oh, he's going to be, like, the fifth starter for the team this season. I think that ship has probably sailed. Joey Wentz is part of the rotation and has been super hit or miss lately. Uh, Bo Brisky has been hurt all season, dating back to the spring. And Alex Fiedo started off the season in the minors, has made two starts now. And I think the biggest thing for him is just, A, there's still a lot of reliever potential. He needs to prove that he can be a major league starter still. Uh, even though he, he was drafted, what, seven years ago, eight years ago. He he still has yet to prove that he can be a solidified everyday major league starter. And uh, on top of that, he, he, I like his stuff. I still like Fajardo, but I uh, needs to prove that he can go deep into ball games and not get rocked the third time through the lineup. So uh, that's kind of where the starting pitching stands like really thin and I think that that does fall on the front office as to why we're already at this, I don't even know what happens next conversation on May 15th, because yes, you can't predict injuries, but you can game plan for them, A, because no rotation in the last 10 years has, for any team, has gone through a whole season healthy, starting pitching injuries are guaranteed to happen every year, but also... When looking at the makeup of the rotation, you have Spencer Turnbull, who hadn't pitched in a year and a half. You have Matt Manning, who has had a lot of injury problems since becoming a major leaguer. I know that the one he did get hurt on this year was a complete fluke and not his fault. It was a comebacker to the foot. But like, go at least you could have looked and been like, okay, Manning hasn't really been fully healthy. Turnbull, we have no clue. He hasn't been healthy in a long time. And then Matt Boyd, Matt Boyd, we brought him back. That's great. Hasn't had a fully healthy season since 2019. 2020 was the COVID year. 2021, he made it to just past the all-star break and got hurt. 2022, he pitched, what, like 15 innings in the regular season? He's had a fully healthy season since the 2019 year, right? So it's just one of those things where when you're looking top to bottom, even Michael Lorenzen had injury problems last season. and Eduardo Rodriguez didn't give you a full year last year. There probably should have been a little bit more security on the starting pitching side of things because we already have our back against the walls and it's mid-May, and that's a little terrifying. So that's kind of where I stand on everything. Uh, again, this is the start of a conversation, not the end of it. This is not me giving a pass or fail grade on any player, any trade, any signing, any offseason, any anything. Okay, this is the start of a conversation that we will likely have several more times throughout the year. Uh, and yeah, it's it's mid-May and we have until the the, the beginning of October to come to conclusions on all of these things, but early returns. That's what they are. I've just laid them out to you. And again, th- there's been some, uh, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that this is like all just bad. Like, uh, Michael Lorenzo's last two starts have been good. He's trending in the right direction. Um, and, and a lot of the replacement depth players have been, uh, ha- have proven to be pretty solid pickups specifically, uh, there's a couple out of the bullpen that have been pretty good. Like Tyler Holton is a guy that, while it wasn't like a like a massive thing, like again, was, was a uh, a guy that has been pretty productive this season. Um, I know Chasen Shreve hasn't really been the definition of consistency, but lately has been pretty good and got off to a pretty good start in the year too. Um, so, and then obviously Andy Abanez has been really, really solid. So the, the, it's not, I think the depth has probably... I don't even know, gotten better. You're probably splitting hairs there. Um, but, but there is some, some positives to take too. Uh, it's just that as a whole, the big picture things, you could really go either way. You could go either way in a lot. And, and I think to avoid saying that they've just been awful, we just haven't guaranteed come to any positive conclusions yet either. We're just at a point where there's still a long season to go. Like, that's pretty much where we're at. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this Pirates series. Only a two-game set against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Why do we always do that? We all I feel like we always play a two-game series against the Pirates in May. Uh, is that like a, like a guaranteed thing that's like part of the CBA? The Tigers have to play a two-game set against the Pirates at some point? It's just weird to me. Like, why, why is it always a two-game set against Pittsburgh? Um, but... Pittsburgh has been brutal in the month of May. They got off to a really hot start and have been sliding horrendously ever since. I think it took them over a month, over a month, goodness, over a week into May to get their first win. Uh, When looking at team offense in the month of May, right, just runs scored by team in the month of May, the Pirates have scored 20 runs in 12 games. That is awful. The next lowest team, the 29th team offense in the month of May, is the Guardians, and they're at 34. They all ha- Their offense has disappeared. And the Tigers have Michael Lorenzen and Eduardo Rodriguez going on the bump. Your two best pitchers so far this season are, 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 your, are going in this series against comfortably the worst offense in the game of baseball so far in this calendar month that sets you up pretty nicely as far as the pitching matchups go you have Rich Hill going on game two for the Detroit Tigers lining up against Eduardo Rodriguez Rich Hill what is he 43 44 years old Has the I think the slowest fastball in the game of baseball he tops out at like 87 miles an hour uh, and the first percentile in fastball velocity uh, has a big loopy curveball that still gets people to swing and miss. Uh, but he doesn't get swings and misses by and large. Uh, he's been hit pretty hard this season. The one thing Rich Hill is going to do is he's going to be able to give you as many pitches as he needs, as you need from him. And he's not going to walk guys. Despite topping out at 87 and having like a 70-mile-an-hour curveball, he is going to fill the strike zone. Now, again, he's not striking people out. He's not uh, getting people to chase. He's not getting people to swing and miss. Like, his ERA is like in the, what, 4-3 ERA on the year? 3-3 three and three record. There should be no reason for the Tigers to go up there and be completely fooled by Rich Hill at this point. So, that's game two. Game one is a little bit different. Game one, you're going up against one of the Pirates uh, top prospects in their organization, Luis Ortiz. I think he topped out at the number eight prospect in the org last year. Uh, This one's pretty fascinating. So he's only had, I think five major league starts between September of last year. And then only one start this year before uh, Tuesday's game here. And, he has one really bad start where he gave up like six runs and all the other four are like two or less runs given up against <laughs> like, uh, and, and he's, you know, he's not pitching eight, like he's going like five, six innings, but um, he, he has had some really good starts. And the reason why is because he throws absolute gas. This dude uh, tops out like sits 98, like sits 98 um, and is, is going to throw heat. And this team, has shown that they maybe aren't very good against flamethrowers, so that's kind of scary. Uh, he has a 91 mile an hour changeup and like an 88 or an 89 mile an hour slider, just nasty, nasty stuff. You're gonna see some 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 filth on the mound for sure uh, in that one. But again, has had a, a kind of a stinker start under his belt in his major league career. This is only again his sixth start at the major league level. Um, and he also has kind of been throwing a sinker a lot more this year, which he didn't last year. I'll say a lot more this year. He has one start this season. I, I need to realize uh, I want to make the uh, the sample size very clear. But in his start this season, uh, he threw the sinker a lot more, and he didn't really throw it very much last season. So maybe it's just for efficiency's sake, because uh, I know strikeouts are like the cool thing, but – if you want to go and you want to try to strike everybody out that actually that costs more pitches to use than just like, Hey, I'm going to throw a sinker. It's going to get a ground ball and I'm going to get out of this inning with, you know, a six, seven, eight pitch inning. So um, I I think that maybe he's trying to utilize that a little bit more. It is thrown hard as well. Everything he throws is hard, everything. So uh, yeah, got to try to to get the timing, right? Take advantage of it. Now we'll have Michael Lorenzen going against him. And then again, erod versus rich hill on wednesday so they're not winnable because we don't use that that phrase around here but um th- there really is no reason that you can't play some competitive ball games and and uh yeah i, I don't want to jinx it actually i'm gonna stop myself there but let's let's go win some ball games eh? why not thanks for being locked on tigers your first listen every day shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day we'll be back tomorrow recapping game one of the pirate series that's all i got again the millionth time and the last time it's may this is not an ending conversation it's the start of one early returns not final returns okay peace and love going to therapy's dope i'll catch you all tomorrow baby go tigers